Well, hey there. Welcome to Online Worship. My name is Megan Honig. I'm the associate pastor here on staff at Crossroads, and it's so good to be here with you today. Uh, Thank you for watching today. We always um, love having people join us for online worship, so thank you for being here. We are continuing in our sermon series over 1 John, and today we are in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 27. I'll be reading out of the NIV in just a moment if you would like to get there uh, to follow along, but... um, I just want to get started with you now. So uh, would you pray with me before we get started? Dear God, we thank you for online worship and the chance to come together virtually to glorify and honor you. God, would you be with us today as we uh, listen to your word and as we um, just take in all that you are today, God. God, help me preach. Let me say nothing that is not of you and help me to glorify you today, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So over the past couple of weeks, I've noticed something crawling around the outside perimeter of my house. And this happens every uh, time of the year, about this time of year it happens. And these are these little spiders that crawl around the outside of my house and they are disgusting. They're little wolf spiders. Now I know they're harmless and they are good at keeping little insects and things away, but they are gigantic spiders and I don't like them and I'd rather they just not be around my house at all. I've never had one come inside the house but they are all around my patio and my front porch and even in my garage a lot. They're outside my house but they haven't yet come in but I still feel like they're invading my space because I can hardly sit on the patio without a little spider crawling past and it's just the grossest thing. Have you ever had something invade your space like that? Maybe it's another insect or an animal or maybe even people invading your space. It's never fun when we have something coming into our space that wasn't invited to be there. Well, today in our scripture, we also see an example of when something comes into the space that they weren't invited to be in. It's about a church who has seen an invasion from something that was not welcome. So we are continuing in the book of 1 John uh, that's written to a house church. And this particular set of scripture that we're reading today is written to a house church that has been in a crisis. From what we can read from the passage, there was a group of people in the church who were not true believers and were seemingly only there to make trouble in the church. And they have recently left. Then John goes on to tell the church where to go from here, what to do, how to protect themselves from this happening again, and how to hold strong in their faith, even when these people who are not for them are all around them. So I want to read that scripture to you today. So this is 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 27. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? Is it whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ? Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. 
No one who denies the Son has the Father. However, whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. So John writes this part of the letter to them, and there are three main things I think he's trying to tell this church about their situation. And the first thing is that the Antichrist is coming and little Antichrists have already come. So fun fact, uh, the books of 1st and 2nd John are the only places in scripture where the word Antichrist is explicitly used. It's talked about um, in other places in scripture, a few other places, but it never says the word Antichrist. John's using it to name the one who will come uh, before Jesus comes back as a last-ditch effort to overtake the world and steal it away from God. And John doesn't say the Antichrist has come yet, but he does say that many Antichrists have already come. So think of these things as two different things, the, the Antichrist and the Antichrist. So think of the Antichrist as the capital A Antichrist, the one that will come right before Jesus comes, and that little A Antichrist who are already here and at work in the world. Uh, They're like people who have a mind and a heart that are against Jesus. These are people that are doing things that are against Jesus and are the opposite of the Father's work on earth. And apparently, these little antichrists were in their church, and this is what John says about it. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. These are people that they discovered were among them when they left the church because they were exposed. And as you can imagine, the true disciples in the church were probably really hurt when they discovered that this was going on. They probably broke bread with these people and thought they were friends. And then suddenly they find out that their friends aren't who they thought they were. And I want to clarify that the Antichrist people that are mentioned here are people that didn't just leave the church when they got angry over a dispute on theology or dispute on how the church was being run. These people were never believers in Jesus, and they were in the church to take the people who were with Jesus away from Jesus. So it's not that they were just Christians who didn't agree or something. They were never Christians. That is who um, he's referring to when he talks about these antichrists. They left because they were exposed, and they never believed in Jesus anyway, and they were only there to pull the others away from him. Verse 22 says, Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. These people denied God and they were never believers. Could you imagine being friends with someone who you knew was a Christian 
only to find out that they were only hanging out with you to pull you away from God and that they never believed in God to begin with? Could you imagine having a friendship unravel like that? I can't even imagine what that would be like. So these antichrists have been exposed and have gone out of this church and this church body is left hurting and wondering what to do. And John goes on to tell them what to do. The second thing that John is telling them is that those in the church have received an anointing. The first thing that John does um, when he is trying to comfort these people is reassuring them that the Holy Spirit still remains with them through the anointing that they have received from God. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. So John is talking about an anointing from God that they have received. In scripture, anointing is when someone touches a person or thing, usually with oil, for the purpose of healing or setting apart. In scripture, kings and priests were typically anointed with oil, and sacred objects in the temple were anointed to dedicate them to God. We even still anoint people with oil today. We do it commonly here at Crossroads. But this anointing that John is talking about here is a little different. This anointing is the anointing that all Christians receive when they give their life to Christ and receive a new life in Him. It's an anointing of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We give our lives to God and He fills us with the Holy Spirit and anoints us for a life set apart as followers of Christ. So by reminding the people here that they have an anointing from God, John is reminding them that they have been set apart, that they have a special calling, that by God's anointing that was given to them, and they know the truth of the gospel. And he encourages them to not give up on the truth that they know and to keep going. And there is one more thing that John tells them to do that is the most important and maybe that was the hardest for the church to hear. This is the third thing John is telling them in this passage. John is calling for the church to actively abide in Jesus in order to not be further deceived by the Antichrist or turn into one. Verses 24 through 27 explain this well, and I'm going to read that to you now. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you all about all the things that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. This isn't just some friendly advice that John is giving the people here. It's a warning. He's saying, hey, there are people around you who are trying to lead you away from the truth and away from God. They are trying to trick you. They are trying to cut you down. They will do anything to lead you astray, even masquerade themselves as Christians and come into your church. 
the enemy is sneaky and will play all sorts of games to get you to step away from God. And the only way to beat him, the only way to stay in step with God and not be a victim of the enemy is John says to abide in God, to remain in him. And also John is going a step further by giving another warning against slipping and becoming an antichrist. Because those of you who are trying, because there are people who are trying to lead them away from God, they don't want to lead them just away from God. They want to lead them into being anti-God. They want to make you a part of one of them. And it's all part of Satan's plan. And I think that this is a part that definitely relates to us the most today. We have so many things in our life that are trying to take us away from God, whether it's people who don't believe in him or societal expectations or norms, whether it's celebrities or media or just standards that aren't biblical. There are so many things that are anti-Christ in the world, whether they know it or not, and they are trying to take us away from him. Sin is being more and more normalized than ever. We're living in a world where your own personal truth is the truth, and nobody can tell you that it's not. Or if you want something, then you can have it, no matter what it is, or if you're happy that that's all that matters. These are all ploys of the enemy that are anti-Christ. But the funny thing is that even if we give in to all of those things that are trying to take us away from God, the more we dig deeper into those things and give our time and energy to those things, whether it's money or status or relationships or whatever, nothing will ever come close to being as satisfying or fulfilling as our relationship with Jesus. Compared to Jesus, everything else is empty. Those other things won't make us happier or more fulfilled. It'll be the complete opposite. They will never be able to fill us because Jesus is the one who is meant to fill us. So what can we do to ensure that this doesn't happen to us? What can we do to make sure that we are focused on Jesus and letting nothing else get in the way of us and him? Well, John says that the trick to that is to abide in Jesus. So I want to ask you a question. What do you think it means to abide in Jesus? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when someone tells you to abide in him? Do you picture sitting in prayer with him and listening to him? Do you picture praying to him throughout your day? Do you picture spending a certain amount of time reading scripture or being in prayer with him every day? Do you picture just resting in his arms and enjoying the comfort of being in the arms of your father? Abiding can look very different for each one of us. But I think this abiding that John is talking about is a little different. It doesn't seem like a passive abiding, like just sitting with Jesus. It seems like an active abiding in Jesus, where we have to actually do things to be able to abide. Now, I want you to imagine something else. Imagine something in your mind and go with me here. Where do you abide? And by that, I mean, where do you live? Where do you sleep every night? Where do you eat your meals and take your showers and sit on the couch to watch TV? 
Where do you play with your kids or read books or make your coffee? Where do you laugh with your family? That is where you abide on this earth. Now I want to ask you, how do you abide there? What do you do at home? Is it just sitting on the couch? Maybe you mostly sleep or hang out with your family? What do you typically do at home? How do you spend your time abiding there? Now here is this. Another question. Is having somewhere to abide always easy? Or does it take work sometimes? I imagine it takes some work to keep up to keep up with your home, whether it's vacuuming the floors or doing the dishes or picking up the kids' toys, mowing the lawn or fixing something that's broken. Part of abiding is putting work into the thing that you are abiding in. You have to take care of it if you want to remain in a place that is comfortable to abide. Imagine if we just lived in our homes and never took care of them. Imagine if we just never slept, the, if we never swept the floors or never changed our bed sheets or never took the trash out or never mowed the lawn. Like we just went and we did what we wanted to, but we never took any care, any action in taking care of the home. That wouldn't be a very good place to abide. Now wouldn't, now would it? It'd be dirty and sticky. Bugs would probably come in pretty fast. Maybe the roof would eventually leak. If we don't take care of the place that we are abiding, then it turns into a place where we actually don't even want to abide at all. And I hate to tell you this, but abiding doesn't always mean resting. Abiding often requires work. If we're committed to abiding in Christ, then we have to be committed to actively abiding in him and putting in the work to make sure nothing comes along to snatch us away from God. If we want to abide in Christ, then we can't just sit with him and pray for two minutes a day and sing kumbaya and think that that's an active relationship and abiding in Jesus. We have to point at the places in our lives where we've made idols or where we've walked away from God or where we've sinned. We can't just ignore the things that are taking us away from God. That is not active abiding. If we want to abide in God, we have to put the effort in so that we have a place to abide in Him because the enemy is constantly trying to tear that house down, to snatch it up, to make it so we don't fix anything within it. And we have to work against Him. We have to actively abide in God if we want any chance at staying away from the enemy and having a relationship with God. So our question today is, how do we abide in Jesus? I have a few thoughts on how we do that and how John says to do that here. I think the first thing that we have to do is to identify the antichrists in our life and remove them. There are so many things in our lives today that are antichrists that we probably don't want to admit. Maybe there's people in our lives who are trying to take us away from God. Maybe we've made idols out of certain things like money or status or um, our homes even. We've made idols out of so many things in our lives and we try to keep them down. We try to put God first, but 
idols still pop up. No matter where you're at in your walk with God, idols are always going to be a thing because we're fallen humans who think we need idols to survive, even though we know that God is the only way. We have to remove those idols in order to have that active relationship with God. We have to uh, repel and run against certain ideals or beliefs of society that are anti-Christ. Our world today is kind of crazy. If you haven't um, recognized that lately, there are a lot of beliefs and ideas and things in the media that says that we have to agree with them if we um, want to be loving or kind, when in reality, those things do not line up with scripture. We have to be so in the word that we know and we can point out things that are not in line with God so that we can run away from those things so that we can't, so we won't be affected by them so that we can actively abide in God. We have to remove those things from our lives and even set boundaries if we need to in order to keep ourselves in check and to not give any of our time or attention to all of those antichrists that are vying for our attention. Because if we don't, then they will come into our life and overtake our relationship with God very sneakily and quickly if we're not paying attention. So the first thing is to identify the Antichrist in your life. What are those things that are taking you away from God and remove them? The second thing is to remain in Christ, just as John said, Take what you know about the Lord through the power of the anointing that you received when you gave your life to him and let it remain in you. Try to focus so hard on the gospel that your eyes never turn away from Jesus, that there's nothing that could get between him and you. Be consistent in meeting with the Lord and listening to him and not letting out any of those outside distractions in. We know what the Lord says, and when we line up our inner knowing and anointing with, from God with Holy Scripture, then we can live a life that has no Antichrist in it, that we know how, to, how and when to push those things away so that we can remain in Christ. Remaining in Christ is going to be the only way to get through this life with peace and um, joy, (laughs) really, we have to have those. We have to have God if we want to have those things. So we need to remain in Christ. And the third step in this situation, in this formula, is to repeat. If we want to remain in Christ, we have to have the repeat of this cycle of identifying the Antichrist in our life and removing them and abiding in Christ. And then we go back and reassess and we identify and remove and we abide and we identify and remove and we abide. It is this ongoing cycle that we will be in for the rest of our life, right? If we want to abide in God, then we have to recognize those things constantly that are removing us from relationship with God. It's not just a one-time thing where we recognize our idols, we recognize those things, we push them away and then we're done. No, the enemy sneaks into our life every day and tries to overtake us. So we have to constantly identify and remove and abide. It's a cycle that goes on and on. And those two steps are the pathway to sanctification 
where we will be made whole, where we will be made more and more like God every day. If we identify and abide in, um, if we identify and remove and then abide in God. So I want to encourage you to find where those things um, in your life are coming from that are taking you away from God. Remove those and abide in Jesus because we know that when we abide in Him, that um, the world doesn't get any better. Abiding in Jesus is the best feeling, the best situation that we could ever have. He gives us the peace that passes all understanding and we just get to embrace that love, that holy love that God has for us. So identify and remove and then abide. Do that over and over again and you will become more and more like Jesus every day and you will understand his heart more every single day. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for um, the book of 1 John and for all the good examples of um, your love that is displayed in it. God, would you help us to identify any antichrists that are in our life or if uh, for some reason we are being an antichrist? God, would you help us to identify those things and help us to create ways that we can use to remove those things from our lives so that we can be completely and wholly focused on you so that we can get to know you better and enjoy life within you, Lord. God, it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.